All right, so before we go through the NHL trades that went down today, I'm going to give you two minutes to say what you want to say about the Toronto Raptors, Greg. All right, um, I'm glad that they seem to be taking a laissez-faire attitude towards seeding. Lowry's clearly banged up. He didn't play against the Knicks. He's not playing tonight against the Sixers. That's completely fine with me. I think that their plan right now is just get to the first round and fingers crossed you're not playing one of the 76, um, one of the Hawks or Cavaliers, which is the way it looks right now. And if things are going doubly well, you're playing the Wizards who are in a free fall and have a terrible coach. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of okay with the way that things are going right now. I realize that it, it looks bad and they're coming off of the a back end of a a road trip that was kind of ugly. Obviously, they had the homestand that was a little bit ugly with the, the Golden State game in there. But I'm not necessarily ready to be um, cracking each other's heads opening and feast on the goo inside just yet. I think that there's plenty of time to turn this around. DeRozan still looks like he's not quite healthy yet, but I, I, I think they're all right. What did you think of the DeRozan dunk attempt the other night? That was going to be let, – let's just hope that's the low point of the season. Yeah, right but, now, it's the low point of the season. Um, I don't think they would have won that game no matter what they did because clearly they just weren't there. Um, but let's just hope that is indeed the low point of the season. Yeah, I was getting Ricky Davis flashbacks when I saw that the other day. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Uh, it wasn't a good look. Yeah. So we had close to 30 trades over the last two days. Mm-hmm. I figured we go through those, and obviously we'll spend more time on some than we end than we will on others. Um, but let's start off with a pretty good one. Yesterday, the Washington Capitals got Curtis Glencross from Calgary for a second round pick and a third round pick this year. I'm not necessarily. I, I like Glencross's game in general. He hasn't been great this year. I think Calgary was smart to unload him. He didn't want to resign. I don't know if they wanted him back. They could get a couple draft picks for him. He had a no trades so that limited the places where they could go with him. Washington was interested. So I like Calgary's end of that deal. If the Capitals get something out of him, great. Um, I think that one of the things they're trying to accomplish is find a guy to play with Backstrom and Ovechkin. I don't know if Glenn Cross is going to be that guy, but he kind of fits what they might want to do there. Um, I, I like it better from Calgary's perspective, especially now that we've heard that Giordano isn't going to be playing the rest of the year. We heard that today. Uh, that, that really, to me, explains a lot of what Calgary has done over the last 48 hours, because I think they would have had a feeling that was the case. So they say to themselves, we have no chance, no matter who we bring in, why are we going to sit here and let an unrestricted free agent walk away for nothing? Why are we going to flip those picks that we got for Giordano and get somebody else, which is what a lot of people thought they might do. They didn't wind up doing it. Um, that's a good decision on their part. I don't think the team's very good anyway, but without Giordano especially, it's just not good at all. No, Cal- Calgary's the good bad team this year, and yeah. all the advanced stats have kind of said that. But that said, I could not love this trade more for the Calgary Flames. I thought that they did everything perfectly. Like obviously, like you said, Glenn Cross wasn't going to resign there, but you know they they stocked up picks. Yeah, Giordano's hurt. They might even still make the playoffs even with Giordano injured. I mean, they've got like. Uh, let me check the. They've still got a three, four point lead. Right, they're gonna have to go on a nice little PDO run here, I think, which they they have the potential to do, and maybe they're gonna get Hiller steals a couple of games here and there, and uh, uh, Ramos been playing very well lately as well. They're they're gonna need really good goaltending down the stretch, but I I look at the the West race and think to myself, like, you know, the Kings, you would think are going to be there by the time it's all said and done. I know that 
and the Wild have played so well since Devin Dubnik turned into whatever the heck Devin Dubnik is not right now. Um, they're going to be there too in all likelihood. So the the Flames are going to have some people to hold off, one would think, at some point. And I guess that's going to be the San Jose Sharks. And maybe they have to hope that the Jets go into free fall. I don't think they will. I think the Jets are pretty good. But I just I just don't see the Flames being there at the end of this dance unless they get some crazy goaltending on the stretch here because the number of shots they allow is about to go way up without Giordano up there. Yeah, I agree. I think they're the team that falls out in the West, and I also believe that the Kings are going to get in and – God help whoever has to play the LA Kings in the first round. Can you um, imagine being the Nashville Predators and you have this great season? You go out, you pick up some guys at the deadline. Everything's going awesome. And Laviolette should, in my estimation, be the coach of the year. They, uh, David Poyle, want to make him executive of the year, go crazy. That's fine. You're doing everything right. And you have the chance to finish the top of the Western Conference. And your reward for that is, oh, yeah, guess who's coming to town? It's the Los Angeles Kings. There's are, a chance that's what happens to them. And that you are not afraid to win, win on the road. No. Uh, the, I, I, if, that would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. If it's Winnipeg, like, I think Winnipeg's a pretty good team, but I think Nashville will be like, all right, whatever, it's Winnipeg, not a big deal. But if it's the Kings, I just think that'd be a real kick in the pills. I wonder I wonder if there's ever a team that has was clear in a way going to win the President's Trophy. Well, I guess it's not clear in a way, but they got a good chance to win the President's Trophy and they yeah. get swept in the first round. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think about uh, someone winning uh, the um, Ottawa Senators in 2001. They were very close to winning the President's Trophy, I believe, and they got swept by the Leafs in round one. And that's uh, that's the closest I can remember. And Ottawa didn't win the President's Trophy. That was a really good Senators team that year, but it was a good Leaf team. The, the, the reason I like this deal is because it just it shows that like, as a fan – Personally, of the Colorado Avalanche, who was the good-bad team last year, um, Colorado spent the offseason obviously kidding themselves, thinking that they were that good. Right. Um, Calgary, this trade tells me that they have a firm grasp on where they think their team is, and they know that they've gotten a little lucky this year and made this trade so they can stock assets to build around Giordano and the rest of the guys when they get back from injury. And that's the thing, is they've got Monaghan, who looks like, I don't know if he's a superstar, but he looks like he's pretty good. They got Sam Bennett, who's toiling away in Kingston. He spent most of the year hurt, but he might be a superstar. They've got some really nice pieces. They got Brody as well. Like there are some nice, nice pieces that Calgary has to build around. And yeah, there's no reason to start frittering, frittering away assets or frittering away younger guys in order to get better for this year. They they trade a Barchi for a second, which I don't love, but and we'll probably get to that later. But I understand why. Yeah. Um, well, let's. Go to that one right now, actually. The okay. Sven Barchi to Vancouver for a second-round pick. Now, I have this labeled as my, in the next two or three years, you or myself go, they got Barchi for a second? Whoops. Yeah. I feel like there's too much talent there for that to be happening, and he's clearly not been happy with the way the Flames have handled him. So I think that if he goes to the Canucks, and that's a team that plays – with a style that's going to suit him a little bit more, the the Flames, like obviously we know what their president's is uh, their president is, you know, truculence, pugnacity, testosterone, all that stuff. We we heard all those catchphrases in Toronto. Um, with the Flames, uh, the, the, I don't think they're going to be conducive to a guy like Barchi coming in and, and playing well unless he's given a lot of really good minutes and a really good opportunity to succeed. The Canucks a little bit different. They play up and down the ice a little more. It's a little bit faster pace. I think that that is going to be a deal that works out very well for them. Thought that that was the most underrated 
uh, or I thought not not underrated, sneakiest, probably the sneakiest trade of the day. Yeah. I thought, I thought and, and maybe not for the 2015 playoffs, which I no fundamentally believe that Canucks will be involved in in some way, shape, or form. But uh, for for the future, yeah, yeah, for two or three years down the line, yeah. when when he's scoring probably 20 goals a season. Yeah, and Barchi just turned 22, and, and yeah, we think, oh, he's a bust, but you know, he just turned 22. Uh, and th- there have been many a story of first round pick who fails to catch on in the spot where he's drafted because of whatever reason and go somewhere else and all of a sudden looks like the guy who was drafted in the top 10. And I think that's what might be what happened with Barchi here. I understand uh, that he said to the flames, look, if you don't, if, if I'm not traded at the end of this off season, I'm going to back to play in the KHL or Europe or wherever, and that's going to be that. So I understand why the flames are like, all right, we got to get this guy out of here now before we lose him for nothing. So I, I get the, the thought process from, from their perspective, but uh, I don't know if he was necessarily well handled by the flames. And part of that was, of course, uh, how many GMs have been there since Barchi was drafted? I think that Trevelling's the third guy, so it's it's not exactly been something that uh, has been a consistent voice from the manager perspective, but still, um, it, it doesn't look good on the Flames the way they handle this. And maybe Barchi turns into nothing, but I think it was a good trade. Yeah, was, yeah playing in Calgary for a few years there wasn't conducive to anybody's mental health. <laughs> so... Um, I guess the next one we'll move on to is the Keith Yandel trade. So the Rangers get Keith Yandel, Chris Summers, and a 2015 fourth round pick from the Coyotes for John Moore, heavy prospect Anthony Duclair, a 2016 conditional first round, and the 2015 second round pick. I'm not sure what the conditions are on the The conditions are essentially if the Rangers miss the playoffs in 16, Switches that to a two. Slides to seventeen. Oh, okay. So, and if the Rangers miss next year's playoffs, and that's a lottery pick, the uh, Arizona, whatever they're called now, they have to wait until twenty seventeen to get that. Yeah. Pick. And Yandel, this is the last year left on his deal, so he becomes a free agent. And I believe Arizona is actually still paying half of the contract as well. Yeah, and uh, they, the Rangers have him for next year as well. Oh, they do. Okay. Uh, yeah, no. very... and, and they have him at half price next year, which which is the key part for New York, and I think that people have to realize that when considering the assets the Rangers gave up. I think if you look at the moves, basically if you don't count what went on during the Winnipeg-Buffalo crazy blockbuster, Duclair is the most valuable piece that has changed teams since we got into trade season. And you might wonder, well, why are the Rangers giving up the most valuable piece that has changed teams? And quite simply, um, the value of Keith Yandel at half price at 2.6 something million dollars that's really flipping valuable for next season really really valuable especially for your team that's right up against it like the rangers the coyotes don't care the coyotes probably want to finish last next year austin matthews is the first ever born and bred arizona hockey star you don't think they want that guy and he's going to be the first overall pick in the draft next year so i think from the coyote perspective they are thinking to themselves all right this way we can pay out half Yandel's contract, still get to the cap floor and not have to pay an actual real-life NHL player that money who might win us some hockey games. So this is a win-win deal here. I get why the Rangers gave this kind of package up in order to acquire Yandel. I think that he's a pretty good player. I think that the way they'll be able to shelter Yandel in New York is going to be really, really good. Look for his zone starts to be some sort of absurd number because they'll be able to put Girardi and McDonough and Stahl and Klein and all those guys, give them the toughs. And 
give them the tough zone starts and let Yandel just do his thing offensively. I think it fits really well. I think it's going to be a really, really clever move by New York, but they played it, paid a pretty price to get it done. Oh, yeah, very, very high price. But at the end of the day, I'm just excited that uh, Anthony Duclair and Max Domi get to reunite on the same team. As a hockey fan, <laughs> that's just going to be fun to watch. I mean, they were on the same line on the last World Junior Champion team. Yeah. So, hey, imagine, imagine this scenario. Let's say that, Buff, uh, that Arizona winds up with a third overall pick or something. And Buffalo, obviously, they've got a lot of best in this draft. Let's say they, that Buffalo ends up with the second overall pick. What if Arizona calls Buffalo with a third overall pick? This is just me pipe dreaming. I don't think this will ever happen. And says, we'll give you the third overall pick for Sam Ryan so they can have the whole group. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy that. <laughs> just get everybody on the same team. and Yep. yep. Just, get the whole band back together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's unlikely. But I think that that would be something that would be super cool. It's fun to think uh, about. It's fun to think. Yeah, it's fun to think about. Um, yeah. Domi and Duclair on the same team. Look at all the young assets Arizona has. They got Brandon Perlini. He's playing with Niagara right now, and he's pretty good. They're going to have a top four or five pick in this upcoming draft. So their worst case scenario is they get a guy like Noah Hannafin, who I think would be the likely pick for them, or they get Mitch Marner or somebody along those lines. That's that's their bottom end scenario. Um, they might get McDavid to put with Domi and Duclair and Perlini and some of the other guys they already have on the team. Um, I think that there's there's something brewing there. So if if you're a fan of hockey in Las Vegas or Quebec City or Seattle, you should be really excited about what they're putting together there. I am. <laughs> I was at one point a fan of Quebec, and uh, and perhaps I mean, that 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 perhaps this team it, will will be in Quebec City someday. Who knows? It could be. Um, I mean, if they get, it's going to be either way. It's going to be very exciting for the four fans that they actually have in Arizona after. You know, they have to cast strap the team to keep them there in Arizona for and to reasons like, not understood by me. Uh, the the tanking is not going to help. I understand that it's the best thing for the future of the franchise, but I think they're going to be tanking next season. Just that's the way that the stars are aligning here is that next season is going to be a tank year. And that's not going to help just have multiple years in a row of really awful hockey. I think that if you had multiple years in a row of really awful hockey like that, even in Buffalo, for example, uh, this year, Sabres fans are like, yeah, this is going great because they're aware as to what the reward is at the end of the road. They're aware as to the horde of prospects that the Sabres have coming up. They know that, okay, things are about to get real good real soon because there's a lot of hockey knowledge in that market. And there are some very knowledgeable fans in Phoenix, Arizona or Glendale, wherever the heck it is they actually play. But I think that it's a lot harder to sell the future in a market like that than it is to sell the future in Buffalo. And is this going to salt the earth in that market? Is it, is it going to be like Atlanta, where the team is just so bad that no one could get behind them? I, I guess we're going to see. Um, but for now, it's... Uh, at the very least, it looked like a pretty nice stable of young players, and I hope for the actual real-life Coyote fans that went and saw the really lousy hockey they've been putting together over the last few years that they get rewarded for that, and the, the team gets to be playing there when they start to get good, but who's to say? You brought up tanking, so I want to talk about the most obvious tanking trade of the day, <laughs> which was Buffalo sending Michael Neuwirth to the Islanders for Chad Johnson and a 2016 pick. Now, this trade should have been, like, if you could veto 
trades. <laughs> this one should have been vetoed. Like, have you seen the advanced stats on Neuvirth? This like yeah, you know, pretty good. He's he can play hockey. Yeah, yeah, he's he's obviously a pretty good goalie, and well, I I remember obviously um, him with the the Plymouth Whalers, and he was great when he was there, and he, he's he's been a guy that's been valuable all, all along the way, and that's fine. Uh, Neuvirth is a pretty decent goaltender in my mind, and from the Islanders' perspective, you're like, oh, we can upgrade upgrade our backup goaltending spot significantly for the low low price of a third round pick in two years. Absolutely, why don't we do that? So good on the Islanders. If something happened to Halak, they would have been absolutely screwed because Chad Johnson's terrible. In other news, the Buffalo Sabres starting goaltender is now Chad Johnson, I guess, and he's not a real life NHL goalie. He should not be in that league. And if they wanted to really make sure that they didn't somehow get ahead of the Edmonton Oilers or the Arizona Coyotes, and they're only three points back of Edmonton right now, mind you, and four points back of Arizona, if they wanted to really make sure they didn't somehow get ahead of those teams, they did the right thing today. Is it a good look for hockey? No. But if I were a Sabres fan, and I know a lot of them were celebrating this trade, you see on Twitter, they're saying, okay, Neuberth, well, yeah, they weren't even sarcastically celebrating. They, they know Neuberth was getting us too close in too many games, or in some cases, stealing points for us. That's literally the last thing that we want. So get that guy out of here so we start stealing points for other people and give us a below replacement level goaltending situation, please. That way we can really make sure that this goes badly enough that we're all right. Yeah, and like I, uh, Buffalo, I mean, they need McDavid. I mean, my God in heaven, do they need Connor McDavid more than Arizona and Edmonton do? But I think that Toronto needs McDavid the most. But that's neither here. Uh, yeah, that's what that's a discussion <laughs> for another podcast. Um, if because uh, like unlike the NBA with the draft lottery, we don't often see like I can't think of anything off the top of my head in the NBA where teams significantly moved up to get the first pick. Um, it, ha- it never happens in the NHL. The old rules were mm-hmm. you couldn't move up more than four spots. That rule is now out. Now anyone in the lottery can win the first pick, but only one team can move up. So it's not a full lottery. You just get one lottery for the first pick. As of next year, that becomes the top three spots are picked by a lottery. So hypothetically, you could finish last and pick fourth overall. It's unlikely, but it's possible. So the... NBA has had sort of more of the, the, the chance of the Hail Mary lottery win than the other sports. However, um, I in the NHL, well, somebody is going to win that lottery eventually at, at, at some point. Uh, it's going to be the long shot. I do, it's not going to be this year, but it'll be some points. Um, well, I was just saying that, like, in the NBA, you just don't see teams move up to, like, the first. Like, it tends to go chalk a lot, but in – the NHL, I mean, we do see, like, the team that was, you know, maybe had the third best odds to win the lottery to move up. I mean, yep. my, my Colorado Avalanche did it the one year when they drafted Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyone in the top five, uh, if you just look at the odds of the top five winning the lottery, it, it's, it's played out relatively close to what you think. Every now and then there is the Hail Mary. Um, or there's the team that finishes ninth and wins the lottery. I think New Jersey did it the year they drafted Adam Larson. I remember Chicago um, winning the lottery one year when they were in the ninth overall slot or something on those lines, moving up and drafting fourth. Uh, it, it, it's happened before. Um, uh, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Obviously, someone's going to win that lottery, and it's going to completely alter the state of that franchise. Someone who's going to fi- be in that number two hole, so 
in all likelihood, the Buffalo Sabres are going to get one of McDavid or Eichel. One of those two is going there, and that'll be a season success for them. Because in any other year besides this one, all this talk about Connor McDavid, it would be talk about Jack Eichel. Eichel is not nearly the prospect McDavid is, but if you look at number one overall picks for the last 10, 15 years, he, he profiles just about as well as any of them, but Crosby, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, he'd be, in, uh, over the last 15 years, he would be the number one pick over anyone except probably McDavid or Crosby. I know Ovechkin. In, in any other draft. Yeah, yeah. I'd be willing to discuss Ovechkin as well. <laughs> Yeah, and you could discuss Malkin as well, who's in the same draft as Ovechkin. But you could, you, if, if you look at the names that we're mentioning here, it, it seems to be pretty, pretty Obvious significant how good he is. that this is a pretty good player here. And this is a guy who is one of the top scorers at the NCAA level as an 18-year-old, and that doesn't happen very often. So you've got to kind of keep that in mind that even finishing with that number two pick this year is as good as finishing with the number one pick in most years. And that's one of the reasons why Buffalo's doing things like trading a really good goalie for an absolutely awful one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't understand that one because you could have kept them. Like, if, if he stole enough points for them to finish, well, how about not last bench overall? I, I guess he could. Like, like how is how is benching him any any less blatant than? Because you don't get the you don't get the third round. Nothing. You don't get the third round pick. I guess no. I, but you I, still I, have your good goaltender who you say you know. I mean, you you need a goaltender to win in the NHL. It's I mean. Yeah, you do. But here's the thing, though, if you're the Buffalo Sabres. Let's say two years from now, you're like, all right, time to your goal. Let's, let, let's, let's win. And you have this army of young, good prospects and guys that have a chance to be top level forwards or whoever. If you can turn one of those guys into a goalie, that wouldn't take a lot of skill or effort. Because there's always teams that have extra goalies lying around. There's only 60 of them to get to play in the NHL. I think that when you're ready to win, if you're Buffalo – Finding a goalie won't be that tough if you're willing to give up something off of a roster that will have a ton of young assets on there. And I think that has got to be what, what their thought process is here. So that was the Rangers' big move. Um, let's talk about the team that, if you were to ask me, the team that I think they're going to end up playing in the conference finals for the second year in a row, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. They trade for Jeff Petrie of the Edmonton Oilers and they give up a second round pick and a conditional fifth round pick. And I believe the way that pick works is the further they go, the higher that pick gets. And I think it can only get yes. up to a third rounder. I think so. third. Yeah. If they get to the conference finals, the third rounder. Yeah. So um, Petrie obviously helps them with the depth on the defense. I mean, he's not a superstar by any means, but the Habs were desperate after a couple of guys went down and PK Subban is just playing too many Way too many minutes. Way too many minutes. So at the very least, Petrie will help take his minutes down. If you look at their their defenses here, if, if you are sort of putting check marks next to the names that you think Montreal management is probably pretty happy with how they play this year, you put a check mark next to PK's name, you put a check mark next to Markov's name, and you put one next to a Bolle, uh, Nathan Beaulieu's name as well. And I think that's probably it. I don't think there's going to be anyone else who you're like, oh yeah, they think he's been good. Um, Gilbert, I I like and. And he's a guy that's uh, a decent puck moving defenseman, but I don't think they're completely thrilled with him. Weaver's another decent player, but he's been in and out of the lineup this year. So I think that they, they needed a defenseman. The one thing that Montreal didn't do that I thought they should have done was find a forward Improve somewhere. the power play? Yeah, uh, they needed to find a forward somewhere because they're just – sometimes they get into a situation where 
They, they can't score very much. They have a hard time generating shots, especially when PK is not on the ice. If you look at Montreal's rate of puck possession when PK is not on the ice, they are Awful. really, really bad. Basically, I only think... Buffalo, who's losing on purpose, is worse. If yeah, you look I... at them just as a – if you look at non-Montreal PK as a team. Um, but the secret to that little problem is they've got a goalie who's throwing up, I think, a 930-something at even strength in Carey Price, and that solves a lot of problems. Like he's, he's, of... he's putting up numbers that are comparable to guys who were in the net before we had color TV. Right. right and now. honestly, if you look at the difference between league average save percentage and, and prices save percentage this year, this season echoes anything that late 90s Dominic Cash was putting up. Yeah, it, he's the, the NHL MVP oh, in my mind right oh, now. I, he should be the uh, – he won't be the unanimous Hart Trophy winner because you're going to get that guy who writes the sanctimonious thing. For I can't about Ovechkin for this award. And, and, you know, and, and voting for Ovechkin, he's had a wonderful year. Yeah, I wouldn't be player. offended if you, someone voted for Ovechkin. But. I wouldn't be offended, but they're going to write the, the think pieces. Well, goalies should never win this award. That, that'll that be stupid. I think that sometimes a goalie is the most valuable player. And in this particular case, this particular season, Carey Price is that. Yeah, uh, Petrie, like, I, I get why they traded for him, but he doesn't fix the two biggest problems. Well, I guess the three biggest problems the Habs had were – you know, getting help up front. They're not scoring on the power play. They're 25th in the league. Petrie won't help with that. But they accomplished the main goal of just, for God's sakes, getting P.K. Subban a breather. Yeah. We don't need to game. play this guy 31 minutes a night anymore in the regular season. The playoffs, sometimes you have to up that just because uh, it gets a little bit tougher. But again, on a Saturday, the Saturday night, a couple Saturdays ago against Toronto, that Montreal won in the shootout. Uh, P.K. played, I think, 32 minutes. And it was a game that went to overtime, obviously, but you don't need to be playing PK 32 minutes in February. You can't. Like, it's, if you do that, no. eventually something bad is going to happen. Especially when they've got a really big lead on the... Yeah. Uh... And here's the thing. In today's NHL, like, if you look at the way the playoff breakdown, seeding doesn't matter to me. No. It really doesn't. If Not you're in that way, top Especially eight, with the new system they have. No. It, it really doesn't matter to me, the seeding. It doesn't. And I, I guess you could argue that if you don't finish first in that, that division they're in. You're playing one of Detroit or Tampa Bay in the first round. And those are pretty good teams. And I, I agree those are pretty good teams. But if you look at what Montreal has ahead of them right now, if you look at the standings, if the playoffs started today, um, I know that they, they're not a team that's been great this year, but the playoffs started today, they play the Boston Bruins. And that's not the, the it's not your older brother of Bruins team, but that's still not a series that is going to be super fun or a cakewalk, you know? No. My uh, my dad uh, messaged me. I remember a couple weekends ago when the Habs lost a shootout to Florida, and he asked me if I thought that the Habs purposely lost that game to try to help Florida catch Boston. Huh. Uh, I mean, that's interesting. I, I I I you know I did one of these. You know, I was like, no, but you know, I went back because they lost in the shootout, and I went back. And if you look at the names the Habs used on in the shootout. You could, you could argue that you know maybe they uh, took a little dive there. I don't know. Like, here's they, the one. They nah, sent yeah, Andre Markov out there in a the shootout with uh, <laughs> a couple of guys who were pretty good sitting on the bench. That's, that's all I'm saying. Um, if if you're talking about do we want Boston or Florida? Obviously Montreal has a history with Boston. They played pretty well against Boston in the playoffs in recent memory. Um, Florida is not a very good hockey team. Uh, they're where they are. They're they're further up the standings than they should be because they've had excellent goaltending, which sounds familiar to Montreal. 
but they've had excellent goaltending this season. But uh, Florida as a first-round opponent would probably be literally the most attractive thing that you could think about if you're Montreal. And it's not a sure thing that's going to happen. I think there's at least a chance that the Rangers, who have played so well lately and have a better goal differential than Montreal despite the struggles at the start of the season, and they've gone out and added some really good players here. There's a chance that the Rangers could catch Montreal and maybe the Rangers get whoever the eight seed is or the, the second wild card, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Florida would be as, as attractive a first-round opponent as you could possibly imagine, I think, in the NHL today. So if, if that happens for Montreal, good on you. We're now in year two of this new playoff system, and it's detestable. You, you don't it's like it? Awful. I mean, no. I here's what here's what I like. I wanted what they what they originally decided to do, and what they originally decided was the playoffs are within the division, and one of the division plays four, two plays three. The winner of those plays each other, and then the winner of those plays the other division in your conference. Winner of that goes to the Stanley Cup final. I like that because they're like, all right, this is going to create rivalries and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What I don't like is the wild card aspect of it. I think it's confusing. I think it's strange to look at the standings that way. Uh, it doesn't look it, right it on strange paper. for hockey. For, for yeah, I d- exactly. I, I like in baseball the wild card thing at least makes sense because you're like, all right, the three teams that are leading their division are not in the wildcard standing. So that's easy to sort of compartmentalize in your brain. And maybe it's something I'll get used to. Maybe I'm being a curmudgeon here. But I, I'm, when you just look at it, it doesn't look right on paper. And what the league had originally designed for, which was the division standings are the standings. If you're in the top four in your division, then you're in. If you're not, then you're out. That's the way it really should have been. Because look, look at the races that you would, you would have right now between teams that are, that are rivals to, to get into the playoffs. Just as a, as a quick, example of how much more fun this might be the florida boston race would be the exact same which again would be in the division and you know that whoever wins that race plays montreal in round one in all likelihood um you would have the metropolitan decision uh, division would be all but decided you would know that it'd be islanders rangers pittsburgh and cap the capitals which in and that of itself has kind of has some, some cachet to it because you have the chance of crosby versus ovechkin and rangers islanders in round one which would be super cool um if you look at what would be going on in the Central right now, you have a great, great race going on between the Jets and Minnesota. Winnipeg up by three points. Minnesota has two games in hand. And then in the Pacific, you would have Calgary, San Jose, and the Kings within three points or two points of one another for the like two of those teams are getting left out and two of those teams are making it. I just think it would be a really, really fun race. And one of Winnipeg or Minnesota would be badly screwed there because the Central Division is so good. But I just think that would make for more fun races and you'd have multiple races going on as opposed to just the two that we have. But that, that's just me. That, that, that's another thing that maybe goes on another podcast another day as far as what the NHL playoff situation should be. But um, that, that's, that's the, the downside. That's the thing I don't like about it. Um, once you get into the playoffs, it, it feels to me, obviously, the, the tree is not as nice as it used to be when it comes to this is who plays who. And it's not as easy to figure out in some ways. But in general, um, it's pretty much the same. I, I mean, I don't mind it because we're guaranteed, uh, you know, rivalry matches and with this system. That's but right. I like yeah. your old, the system you mentioned earlier was definitely the one I preferred when they were carving it out uh, two years ago. But because then you'd have more rivalries, right? Like the ones yeah. I was sort of explaining. We would have a guarantee of, well, not a guarantee, but we'd have pretty much a coin flip that if we came up heads, you would have Crosby versus Ovechkin and Rangers Islanders round one like uh, who doesn't want that uh, right I now it's going to be i want it so badly 
Yeah. Yeah. Like Rangers, I, 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 that's actually the one thing that I desperately want to see this playoff season. And I'm hoping I'm getting it. Uh, this is the last year for Nassau Coliseum, which yep. is an old, terrible building, but it's got some history to it. And that place gets loud. I want there to be Rangers Islanders for one last go in that building at some point this year. I really want that to happen. Could be a throwback to the eighties. That um, would be, I just think it would be so awesome if that happened, but. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I usually get disappointed by these things. And right now, like, for all we know, it's going to be Penguins Islanders in round one and Pittsburgh's going to beat them again. But it, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy as long as we uh, get St. Louis, Chicago with the Blues losing in the first round every year. That, that <laughs> never gets old to me. I mean, oh. well, get, they'll, they'll, get they'll, it together, they'll, St. Louis. And here's the thing. This will be the year that they go into that series, which that series is all in all likelihood that is going to happen. Again. It's Yeah, it seems like it's and, locked in. This will be the year that St. Louis goes into that series thinking that, oh, okay, Pat Kane's not here to score two overtime goals this time. Yeah. And something weird's going to happen, and St. Louis is going to find a way to lose anyway. That's yeah, just, just, you know what I mean? That's, they'll be like like the goal that, uh, uh, what's his name, Corey Crawford gave up the other night to the Avalanche. Yeah. Will, some, will happen in, like, overtime of game three or something. Yeah, somehow the, the, the Blackhawks will score that goal in their favor. And say it will about Crawford. And Crawford, if, if you look at the, the larger sample size, is a slightly above average NHL goaltender. But And I don't usually believe in, well, he plays better in the playoffs. But Corey Crawford's not afraid. Um, he's he, he's not afraid. So I don't think that you're going to look at goaltending meltdown as, as what's going to hold back the Hawks this year. So speaking of stuff that doesn't make sense, um, why did Braden Coburn go for so much? Um, I don't think Radko Gudis is very good. Me neither. Uh, I mean, like you look at his stats, he's just big. He's he's a classic example of he's a big guy, and big guys in the NHL have to prove that they can't play. Right, and that's exactly what's going on. And and Gudis, I don't. I'm not saying he's not an NHL player. He is, but I I look at at Braden Coburn's dollar value here, and you got him for. Uh, a cap hit of four and a half next year. Gudis wasn't going to play the rest of this year anyway. So you're giving up a, a first round draft pick of which Tampa Bay had two because of the trade with the Rangers last year, which yeah, I think it works incredibly if, well. If Tampa Bay doesn't like the Flyers own their pick and the Rangers pick because the New York Rangers don't own any of their first round picks, I think for the next decade. Right. Um, the so I think if the Lightning don't make the playoffs, then they get the worst of those two picks, which would be the Rangers. But you know Tampa's going to make the playoffs, so that right, right. little thing is not going to come into play. No, yeah, I, I think the only actual protection they had on it was yeah. There's something to do with which, which of the whether it's Tampa Bay or the Rangers pick, and uh, Tampa Bay's got protections on it. Whereas if Tampa Bay misses the playoffs and if the, that pick becomes first overall and they win the McDavid lottery, then Tampa Bay gets to keep it. If Tampa Bay wins the McDavid lottery, I suggest we just stop having hockey. But just, yeah, I just, yeah. What's what's the point of having hockey anymore? There no, that's not even. It wouldn't even be fair. But I don't know. No. Like giving up a first round pick for Braden Coburn, and uh, do you feel like Coburn is the last piece of the lightning puzzle? Or he might be. If you look at the defense they can roll out there now, you got Matt Carl, who might be a little overpaid, but he's he's a decent player. Yeah, I, I like Matt Gar- Carl. Garrison's pretty good. Strawman is excellent. Hedman is a horse. He's really good. Um, and then you got Coburn, and then whoever you want out of the list of dudes they have to be the number six. Um, that's a that's a really good defense, which goes with a pretty good goalie who we hope is not hurt when they go into the playoffs this year. And that also goes along with a really, really, really good group of forwards. Maybe one of the better groups of forwards in the league. 
because the depth is just is staggering. And a lot of these guys, the names aren't super recognizable, and they don't put up huge numbers with the exception of Stan Coase and, uh, and, and Tyler Johnson. But they're a bunch of really, really good forwards there. Uh, Callahan is, is not what he was, but he's still fine. I don't like that contract long term, but he's good. Uh, Phil Pula is a really nice number three center if you can roll him out in that particular role. It's exactly what Tampa Bay can do. Uh, Palat's really good. Kalorn is a nice extra piece. Kucherov's good. Paquette's good. Like, there's just so many really talented players that are part of that forward group. I think that Tampa Bay could easily be the team that comes out of the East. I like that team a lot. Really, really excited for that first-round matchup against the Red Wings. That's going to be really good. Like, that's going to be one of those. You could put together a pretty nice argument that those are the two best teams in the East. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could put that together. That that's going to be the type of series where there's going to be games that end like four three five four, and you're going to be like, man, but the goaltenders are still playing really good, and right. like like you're just like these guys are just scoring amazing goals. Like the goalies can't stop these, and it's just I think like that series has got six seven games with three overtime written all over it, and I hope and it goes that way. And here's the easy TV storyline for that series, obviously. Um, Steve the, the general manager of Tampa Bay used to play for the Red Wings. Yeah, of course we get that. So you get after every goal, we're going to get it. Like either way, we're going to get a shot. Yeah, Steve Eiserman is going to be the there, and, and and they're going to show Eiserman like every game that's at the Joe. After something happens, they're going to show Eiserman. Then they're going to cut to Eiserman's retired number at the Joe. That like that's going to be the, a thing. That's the happening. jump clip uh, for the jumping yeah. goal clip after the game. Oh yeah, they're going to show all of Eiserman's greatest highlights. They're going to show him hoisting the cup of the like that. All is going to be a thing. I mean, I'll probably, you know, change the channel during all that, but it'll be fun for most people. Yeah, uh, well, it'll just it'll just be a really, really easy TV storyline for that particular yeah. series. Well, segueing into the wings, um, Eric Cole. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings get Eric Cole in a 2015 third-round pick from the Dallas Stars for every guy they had from Sweden named Matthias and a second-rounder yeah. next year. Uh, yeah, uh, Detroit gave up a couple, uh, a high ceiling guy in that trade, um, but that's that's all right. Detroit has more high ceiling guys; they they seem to collect them. Um, I, and and Cole's a decent player. Um, Having a sneaky good season, Eric Cole. Is yeah, he's right got now. what 15, 16 goals. He's, he's doing okay. I'll look it up. Uh, this is his uh, this is his best year in a little while, and um, he was doing most of that damage at even strength. And that's important because I don't know how many power play minutes he's going to get with uh, with the Red Wings, but it doesn't matter. I think that he's not a guy who drives possession necessarily. His his Corsi relative was uh, uh, a little bit lower in, in Dallas than uh, some of the other guys in the team, but there are many, many guys in Detroit that drive possession for the Red Wings. So I don't think that's a huge deal. Cole can ride shotgun. He can be a guy who goes to the front of the net. He can be a guy that has some hands. And uh, makes a contribution on any of the Red Wings' top three lines. And uh, is he the Eric Cole from 2006 that we remember um, having that great season before he got hurt and the, and the, the Hurricanes won the Cup of Empty without him? Uh, not necessarily, but he's a pretty gosh darn good player. And I think that uh, the, the Red Wings did okay here. And uh, if, if I'm the Red Wings, you, you think to yourself, I, I know you've got them locked up for a couple more years, but how many years of of peak Datsuk at 35 and how many years of peak Zetterberg at 33 are you going to have left? Uh, You'll load up in those years. Where you... I've, I've been afraid of Pavel Datsuk for so long. Like it's weird because we were, we're only in year two of them being in the Eastern conference. So I've been afraid of Datsuk for so long that for some reason I keep thinking he's like 25. Yeah. And no, he's... I look up and he's, he's, 
you know, he's really getting up there. And I'd like, yeah, I just get surprised. He's 35. He's one of those guys that he's got such a great head for the game that maybe he loses a step, but you don't necessarily notice it on the ice. He's just, uh, he's just tremendous. And I don't know if you could ever have said that he was for sure the best player in the world, but I think there was a really good stretch there where he was the second best player in the world behind Crosby. Yeah. And uh, he's still up there pretty good at this point, despite the fact that he's 35 years old. He's he's a wizard. 18 goals, 15 assists for 33 points for a goal this year. That's uh, good. 15 of those 18 on even strength. So, you know, he's been doing most yeah. of his damage, five versus five. Uh, his best season so far since that 11-12 uh, season with the Habs where he had 35 goals. I mean, just sneaky good. Now, my only yeah. reservation with, pardon me, the only my only reservation with this is, how much of that was because he was playing with that high octane offense down there in Dallas. Yeah, well, it's a pretty high octane offense in Detroit too. That yeah, I get. I guess. I mean, I think. I think that's a great move, and they didn't really give up that much. I mean, like uh, Backman is probably the best guy they gave up in the deal to defend. Yeah, uh, they, they gave up the second round pick, but again, like yeah. a, you, you know, the second round is up, a big one. They gave up some high ceiling guys from Europe. Yeah, they did, but Detroit. They've always got more of those. You know what I mean? It just feels like there's an endless supply. Uh, to me, managed, if, you're the, if you're the Red Wings and you're not trading Mantha or Larkin in a trade, which are their, their two big guys, um, you're, you're pretty much going to be okay. And uh, like I said, they're, they're, there's, there's more where those guys came from. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is, uh, is an example of someone they could be pretty excited about. He's had a pretty nice year with Guelph. Uh, and like I said, Mantha, and, uh, they're, they're, there's always more. Joe Hickett's a nice, really, really clever signing by the Red Wings. There's, there's always more where those guys come from. So, so Minnesota Wild bank on the fact that Chris Stewart can uh, get his groove back with them. They gave up a 2017 second-round pick uh, attempting to shore up the forwards as they – are on this insane run with uh, Devin Dubnik, just so happy to be out of Edmonton. Well, that all the been, places. And like all the places pretty much. Yeah, he's, he's been on one hell of an odyssey since uh, since he left the Oilers. Uh, he's been tremendous. Devin Dubnik, for the record, is not as good as he's been in Minnesota, but he's not as bad as he showed uh, no, sort of um, between the uh, with his last Oiler year and, and the stops in between. But if you, you looked at this Minnesota all, team all year, and it was pretty obvious, oh, wait a minute, if they can get average goaltending, they're going to be pretty good. It's amazing well, what, got, what the odd save will do for you, The uh, just just the yeah. odd save. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they can get average goaltending, this team's pretty good. They've got above average goaltending, and now they're really good. And when whenever the goaltending falls back to normal levels, um, they're still going to be good, I think. And I, I wouldn't necessarily want to mess with them in the first round of the playoffs if I were Nashville or the Ducks or whoever it is. Minnesota and the Ducks would actually be a really good series. Um, but if you look at the forwards that Minnesota trots out there on a nightly basis, and you've got Zach Parise and Mika Koivu and Bannock and Pominville and Niederreiter and, and Granlund and Coyle and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Zucker, who's hurt, who's hurt but whatever. Um, Bergenheim is another one. Those guys are all better than Chris Stewart is. And you have to wonder at some point, hey, wait a minute, where is Chris Stewart going to get these minutes? Chris Stewart is a, uh, is a talented guy. He's a guy that's tantalized a lot of teams. He's not a consistent guy. But where is Chris Stewart going to get the minutes in order to make this trade worth it? I know that the, the 27 se- 2017 second-round pick is not a lot to give up. Um, that the, the player who's going to be picked with that selection is likely 15 years old right now. But I, I think that... The, 
you're going to have to find minutes for Chris Stewart. And is he going to be able to beat out some players that are better than he is for these minutes? And I don't know the answer to that question. Well, Buffalo is keeping, I think they're paying half of Chris Stewart's contract yeah. left in this deal anyway. So it's basically, it essentially amounts to a dice roll for our, Sure, yeah, yeah. It's, wild, you're, so you're taking a chance, and maybe you get the, like, the, the Chris Stewart from that super good year with Colorado or Chris Stewart from that one good year he had in St. Louis. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe you get that guy, and he helps you win a playoff series. So I, I get it from Minnesota's perspective. I just think there's a chance that Chris Stewart winds up being a guy that doesn't really contribute a lot because there are so many dudes who are better than him that Minnesota already has. Um, would you like five minutes awesome. to discuss the Ole Okunen era for the – Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, yeah, let's, let's pour one out for Ole. Um, a really memorable six-game run. He had an assist, um, which is cool. Uh, somebody on Twitter pointed out that Ole Okunin had one overtime point in his six games of the Toronto Maple Leaf, which is more overtime points than David Clarkson had in a year and a half. I saw that too, but that's <laughs> like as hilarious as that is. That's It's that's, really cherry-picking. Yeah, that's ta- that's tantamount to luck. Um we, we like to play a little game whenever we, you know, can uh, sell enough blood that we can actually buy some Leafs tickets and go. Uh, we like to play the the game of spot the stupidest Leafs jersey. Is there any chance we see a, a number 11 Jokinen in our future? <laughs> I, I hope not. Um, if, if that happens, that would, you would almost have to assume that it was purchased for comedy purposes. I mean, uh, uh, he he's washed up, isn't he? Can he help the Blues at all? I don't. I don't know. Uh, they gave up very little for him. I had to cheer for the Blues to make the Stanley Cup Finals now because at least get a fourth round pick if they do. Yeah. Uh, so that would be super cool. I don't know if they necessarily did uh, get a guy who's going to make a big contribution though. But Ole Okunen, he's he's responsible defensively. He doesn't have hands of stone. If you look at Ole Okunen's year in in Winnipeg last year, it wasn't a throwback Ole Okunen to when he was scoring ninety points uh, like he was in Calgary and and, and Florida. But if you look at Ole Okunen's year last year, he was actually pretty decent. And he never really got the chance to play center in Nashville and, and be effective. So if you throw out his Predator stats and go back to Winnipeg last year, 82 games, 18 goals, 25 assists, 43 points. Uh, and he was, he was he was shooting 10.5%. So it's not like he had some sort of crazy PDO run um, or some sort of crazy shooting percentage run with the Jets. And he had a decent year last year. So I think that player is still in there if he gets a chance to get some consistent minutes like he did with Winnipeg. So if somebody important like a Stasny or Backus or whoever gets hurt for St. Louis, and that's happened to them before, I, I, he's not going to be as good as those guys if he goes in there, but he can at least be a marginally competent replacement so they're not totally screwed. So I get why St. Louis made the deal that they did here. I think that he might be able to contribute if the circumstances are right. Who made the worst move today? Uh, the Penguins trading uh, Simon Dupree for Ben Lovejoy or the Bruins giving away Jordan Karen for a washed up Max Talbot? Uh, Penguins. Um, yeah. Karan, his ceiling is, uh, you know, a third line forward. He's, he's yeah. better than Talbot is now and he's, he's obviously a much more valuable asset going forward. Um, as for the Penguins thing, they traded a younger player making less money who is better in exchange for an older player making more money who is worse and it was a one for one trade yep not that's again. not what you want to do yeah, you, um, you want to either get you want to either get younger better or cheaper at least one of those in one for one trades and they got zero of those 
Now, you could argue that, you know, Dupree is like he's been up and down. He spent a lot of time down at Pittsburgh's a like playing for Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's been a lot of time last five years. Yeah, he he has. But that's just because he's on a tough defense to to be good on, a tough defense to make. If you look at uh, Latang and Martin and Airhoff and and Mata when he's healthy, he's not now, but when he is, and Pouliot, like there there are some decent players that they went out and got Ian Cole today in exchange for Robert Bortuzzo, who's also good. Um, He's a former Kitchen Ranger. Um, there are some guys that are tough to play over, but to pray in, in my estimation at $900,000 locked in for next year is sort of guy that Pittsburgh needs to keep because you have to remember with the Penguins, if you've got all that top end money locked in with Malkin, Crosby and Latang, you've got to find a way to save other places. And I don't think you can look at Lovejoy and his 1.2 and say, Oh, that's guy who's going to play every night for us at 32 years old or 31 years old by the next year, whatever he's going to be. Um, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get why they thought that, that was the way to go. Maybe Dupre wanted out. Uh, I think they could have done better if they did. They could have gone out and got a seventh round pick for God's sake. And that would have been better than what they did here. Um, I just don't see Lovejoy as being a guy who you want on your blue line in the playoffs because he's slow and not very good at hockey. And I know that they know Lovejoy cause he used to play there, but I just don't see that being, uh, being the right way to do things. If you look at their top six in the playoffs, it should be Latang, Martin, Airhop, Scuderi, Cole, and Pouliot, I guess, would be the sixth guy. Um, though that's who should be out there. It should not be some of these other – it should not be Lovejoy. It should not be whoever else they have in the AHL. It should be those six if, if things go according to plan. Lovejoy's been in the year or the league for eight years now, and his most significant moment that I can think of personally is him cheap shotting Nathan McKinnon in Nathan McKinnon's NHL debut, causing Patrick Waugh to try to fight Bruce Boudreau between the glass. Oh yeah, I, for, I forgot that he was the guy who started that brawl. That was the uh, guy. Yeah, that was. Yeah. yeah. So um, that might be Reverend Lovejoy's greatest moment. Yeah, I don't understand why he hasn't become ordained, by the way. If your last name was Lovejoy, you're pretty much locked in, aren't you? I, I, um, it seems like it'd be just a go-to move. A natural career choice, at the very least. Um, yeah, they. Uh, I, I, I don't get that trade. That was the, the, the silliest trade of the day for me by, uh, by a long shot. Silliest trade of the season so far. I can't. I, I just look at it and can't figure out why they thought that Lovejoy is, is a guy that was going to help them. I, 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 I don't get it. But what do I know? What, uh, what type of celebration did you have when the Leafs managed to get rid of Corbani and Holzer? I was pretty excited. I uh, I couldn't believe that they had actually found a way to trade this player because he's not good enough to be in the NHL. No. Uh, there are many, many AHL defensemen in my estimation who are better than, than Holzer is. Um, I, when I found out why exactly it happened, it does make sense. Because here's the, the, the way it went down in my estimation. They're making calls on Holzer. The Ducks say, yeah, we'll take him in exchange for nothing. The Leafs say, well, you're paying Eric Brewer to be hurt for the rest of the year. Why don't we pay out what's left of Eric Brewer's contract, save you a few hundred grand, and you give us a fifth-round pick for our troubles, which is, once again, the Leafs flexing their financial muscle here. Yeah. And eventually people are going to start being upset about that because they bought their way out of David Clarkson. They just bought their way into a fifth-round pick. Um but the NHL writes really lousy CBAs, so teams can do stuff like this. Uh, the Leafs finally have management that's smart enough to take advantage and do things like this. Yeah, trying to become is, the evil empire of the NHL. Yeah, which is good. It's, Why it's, not? It's about, huh? time that, it's about time that uh, Only took 20 years. Good 
yeah, it's, it's about time someone came up with good ideas like this. I don't know if this is Dubis or Shanahan or if this is Brandon Pridham. Like, he's the therapist half guy. I don't know exactly who's responsible. It's clearly not known as because they haven't been doing this stuff for the last few years. It's one of the people who came in uh, July 17th of last year when they fired the stupid manager people and hired smart ones. Um, the Rangers were the busiest team today. Uh, this wasn't a trade, but I just wanted to talk about what a good move. I thought, uh, the Zuccarello contract extension ended up being four years, 18 million. I mean, he is what he is, but I, and what he is, is a solid piece on an, on an NHL team. And that's oh, a pretty damn good contract. I really, really like Zuccarello. And obviously the, the thing that's always held him back is the fact that he's tiny, but that's okay. I just think that's, that he's a real nice player. And um, him uh, at four and a half million dollars over the next four years is good. The Rangers, to me, have a window of this year, next year, and maybe the year after if things go well. Uh, eventually, it's going to come crashing down because, as you mentioned earlier, they've burnt their first round pick uh, the last couple of years and, and the next couple of years. And eventually, the prospect well is going to run dry and they're going to run out of cheap talent unless they get lucky. But uh, they've got a window of this year, next year, maybe the year after. And if you've got a window of next year and the year after, it'd be silly not to have Zuccarello as part of that window. So they made a they, they made a good decision to get that done as opposed to trading the player and uh, and not having access to him next year and the year after. So the longest active streak of teams making trades on trade deadline day um, is 12 years running. Um, two teams are tied for that record. Would you care to take a guess at which two teams they are? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, is Arizona Coyotes one of them? No. Hmm. St. Louis Blues? No. One of them we just talked about. The Rangers? Yeah. Rangers are one okay. of them. And the other? the other one is my beloved Colorado Avalanche. Which really? Until they, they made kept a couple... that streak alive at uh, 259 today, I guess. Well, no. They <laughs> made they the make one... a deal before Talbot. They made the one like completely insignificant Freddie Hamilton to San oh, Jose right. for, or they get Freddie Hamilton from San Jose for Carl Stolery, just two back end guys who are never going to play. And I'm convinced that at the time Colorado made that trade to keep that, this meaningless streak alive because it's, uh, it's like, it's like the Cal Ripken pinch hit at bat in the eighth. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what it was. Cause like they might like Colorado might as well have said, we're signing you and then we're going to trade you. And then, San Jose is going to cut you because, you know, these are two guys who are never going to. I think, like, I looked them up earlier. They're both, like, 26 and 27, and I think they've got a combined 15 games played in the NHL. So this is a nothing trade that I don't understand. And Did they at least turn a forward into a defensive for AHL purposes? I, I don't know. I haven't looked into It's possible. That's not yeah. one of the, the deals that I've looked into today and tried to no, analyze. What there was no, there, no reason there might to, be a rhyme or to it. Other than for the hilarious uh, streak. Um Let's talk about the Vermette trade. Uh, so Vermette goes to Chicago for, I mean, this obviously happened the day before the trade deadline and was one of the biggies, but uh, so Vermette goes to Chicago for a doll back in a first round pick in 2015. Um, I love this because it was a total all in move by Chicago and they're trying to win one last title, take one or two more swings at a title before the, you know, they get totally strung by the cap and can't afford to keep any of their back end guys. Which has happened to them before, and they managed to bounce back pretty quickly. They did, so maybe they do it again. Uh, who knows? But it, this yeah, one just felt like an all-in move to me. Th this is their last kick for a little while, I think. I, I honestly do believe that. Um, I like the move. Um, Vermette's a pretty good player. He does a lot of things. He can he can fill a lot of roles on your hockey team. 
Um, he's not what he used to be. He used to be one of the, the darlings of the analytics community as far as a guy who was driving possession and, and having the puck go the right way a lot of the time. He's not that anymore. He's still pretty good that way, but he's, uh, he, he's not that guy that he used to be. But that's all right. Uh, they don't need him to be that. They just need him to be a reasonably good number two center. And I don't know what this means for Richards going forward, Brad Richards in Chicago. But if you look at their centers, uh, Taves, obviously, I, I think is, is, is a quality number one in some people's estimation. Uh, that might be understanding. A couple guys are saying that, yeah. Yeah, people, people have been saying that for a while. Uh, if, if Vermette's number two, and you have Kruger as well, who's a really solid fourth-line center, we've seen that in the playoffs. Um, is Taravlan in your third center? Is Richards your third center? I, I guess that's going to be up to them, and that's going to be what they've got to figure out. Um, but they uh, are, are deep down the middle, and this is the best down the middle they've been uh, for any of their cup runs you think about. This is the best they've been down the middle. They're not maybe as strong on the wings and on defense as they've been in years past, but they're really good down the middle. So, Yeah, I, I, I really like this move. I mean, I thought the Habs were going to push in and try to get for Met because obviously we discussed that they needed help up front, but I don't think there was any way the Habs were going to give up a first-round pick for Antoine for Met, So, And here's the thing with, with Bergevin and the Habs is he's been saying, and he might be right, that the real window for this team is not this year or next year, but perhaps the year after. And if you look at the fact that PK is only going to be better two years from now, price is going to be price. And they've got those guys locked up that, you know, decent sized contracts. And so they've got those guys locked up and you look at all the prospects they have coming guys that they've, they've drafted. They've had a lot of draft picks over the years. So we'll see which of them worked out, but they've, they've been a very good drafting team in recent years. Uh, if you look at the, the aging curve of Galchenyuk, if you look at Pacioretty, like they've got their their core, they're really good players locked up for a few years here. I can understand why he would say to himself, maybe this is not the year to burn the first of the deadline for a guy who's probably going to be gone at the end of the season. Maybe yeah. this is not the time to do that. I think that Bergevin did a good job not being tempted by what they've got. Because right now he's saying to himself, well, we need Price to play extremely well and maybe we've got a shot. Yeah. And he would have been saying that whether they had Vermette on the roster or not. Exactly. So their, their team is going to live and die with how well Price plays, and that's cool. But I, this was not the year, in my estimation, for Montreal to be burning first in order to try and win the Stanley Cup. It is that year for Chicago. It is that year for the Rangers. Um, it, it's got to be that year for Nashville because you just don't know when it's going to come around again as far as being this good. Um, some of the other teams that burnt first uh, this year, I don't know if it was necessarily a good idea. Pittsburgh, I suppose, you have to be okay with it because, you know, you've got healthy Crosby and healthy Malkin, so it's always a year where maybe you have to take a chance, right? Um, but uh, this is not the year for Montreal, I don't think, to burn it first. I think that year's coming down the road, and this team is just kind of scratching the surface as to what they might be in the future. Yeah, and they're, they're going to have the best goaltender going into the playoffs, and You've always got a shot when you've got yeah, the best Yeah, you've got a team. chance. And they probably have the best defenseman, too. Never yeah. the Kings have the best defenseman. So. Yeah. Um, so another team that shored up for a playoff run, uh, Detroit Red Wings get uh, veteran defenseman Merrick Zidlicki from the Devils for a third next year. Um, Zidlicki's obviously a rental. He's got one year left on his deal. He's 38 years old, so this might be his last kick at it, not as far as retirement goes, but just as far as – maybe being on a team that could make a playoff run depending on what he does in the off season. Um, the wings obviously needed to get just slightly better on the defense, but, uh, and I think the devils are still paying part of. Yeah. They're, they're paying a little bit of the rate, so. which 
I guess I don't know why Detroit felt they needed that. I think there's at least a chance that Detroit thought there was another deal available to them, and they wanted the, the Devils to pay part of it, like these freight, just in case they had to get really, really creative with the cap. Uh, it didn't come to fruition, obviously. But I like um, the Zidlicki acquisition. Babcock said he won another right-handed defenseman. It makes some sense for them to go out and get a guy like him. I think that he fits. Um, there was obviously talk about Phaneuf. I know that he's not a guy who's got a right-handed shot, but he can play both sides of the ice. Uh, they, they didn't do that. And that, that's, that I don't think was ever going to happen. I think that if that move happens, then it's going to be in the offseason for any team. I think it's really tough to add $7 million with term in the middle of the season, uh, no matter what their cap situation is. So whatever, we don't, we don't need to spend a time talking about deal that didn't happen. But for, for this particular deal, if you're going out and trading a third-round pick for a defenseman, Zidlicki's a fine ad. Is Mike Babcock the coach of the Detroit Red Wings in the 2015-2016 season? I'm going to say yeah. I, I think to he me, is too. It's like, to me, it's it's one of two spots. I think that he, the only way he leaves Detroit is if he gets the the cachet of Toronto and he wants to be the guy that's there when they finally figure it out. And he wants to sort of have that uh, that cachet of, oh yeah, well, after all those years of struggling and losing, I finally bought, got the Leafs into being a good team. The same reason that Theo has left. left. It's the only thing left. It's the same reason Theo Epstein left for the Cubs. Exactly. It's the only thing left for his giant list of accomplishments. Exactly. And he's uh, a little bit of luck away. Two gold medals, right? Yeah. Or or is only one cup? Yeah, one cup. He's been in the finals three times. Mm -hmm. Um, He's won the cup once. Um, He's always had teams that are better than they looked on paper. Um, Or never worse than they looked on paper at the very least, which is a significant accomplishment. Not every coach can say that. And uh, or very few coaches can say that. And um, he's 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 a great coach. He's he's the best coach in, in the NHL. He's a guy that uh, is very forward thinking about how hockey teams should be playing and, and what the smart teams do and how the smart teams win. Um, I, I think he's still back in Detroit because if the only way he leaves Detroit is if he goes to Toronto. And I can understand why he would look at the Toronto situation. Depending, maybe the ping pong balls go Toronto's way and they get McDavid. And he's like, all right, maybe I'm going to try that. But I, I don't think he wants to be part of a, a two, three-year rebuild. And that's what it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be – like the in today's NHL, no rebuild. I don't care how bad your roster is, no matter how ugly it looks, no rebuild should be longer than two, three years. And uh, Toronto's won't be either. Are you so, listening, Edmonton fans? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. If you're smart about it and if you have smart management, it shouldn't be longer than two, three years. It really shouldn't. And I'm not talking about you go from bottom to Stanley Cup contender in two, three years, but you should be able to go from the bottom to being good enough to make the playoffs in two, three years. And the, this Leaf team is not that far away. There are some really good pieces here. I, I don't think they have to completely blow up and destroy everything. The most toxic contract they had on the roster is already gone. So I don't think that you can say, oh, the Leafs are forever away from contending. They can't be good for five, six years. That's not how it works in today's NHL. That's how it works in the NFL sometimes. That's certainly how it works in the NBA sometimes. And certainly, for sure, of of all the sports, how it works in Major League Baseball. But in in hockey, you can turn over the roster so quick, you you can get things done in two, three years if you're smart about how you do it. And I think the Leafs have smart people running the team right now. Yeah, the... the all of the the Kessel rumors and the Fanuf rumors, I never like. I never bought them mostly because they were so fan driven and media driven that I never seriously bought any of them. Because if 
in fact, as you say, so the Leafs finally, after you know over a decade, finally have some smart people running the franchise. There's absolutely no reason to move Kessel or Fanuf at this deadline. You, if you're going to unload those guys, you wait and you do it in the off season, because what happens every year is the angriest teams that exist are the eight teams that get knocked out in the first round, and the eight teams that get knocked in the, out in the first round, usually two or three of them feel like, man, we were one piece away from, you know, making a run and usually go out and do something stupid. And then the Leafs can, you know, maybe move enough to a team like the Islanders or something and get something back if if one of those. And there's no reason to trade Kessel because if, God forbid, you know, the ping pong balls actually go the Leafs away for, you know, the first time ever and they get Connor McDavid, don't you want Phil Kessel to be on your team? You're damn right you do. Um, so yeah, that's, I never bought the Kessel rules for a half second. The Phaneuf ones, I thought they w- were legitimate, if for no other reason than because... Well, I only uh, bought the Kings rumor with... Yeah, no, I, the, that the, was the, the only one, one where I was like, that the is Detroit, a legit the, the Kings one made sense. The Detroit one sort of made sense. Yeah, um, where if, if the rings were willing to give up Brendan Smith and they wanted uh, uh, Weiss to go in the deal, I, I, I think there would have been at least something there. Um, but, uh, I, I, I just, I, I don't see the Leafs eating a ton of salary in order to move enough. If you have to eat a whole bunch of salary, you might as well just keep, them. you know what I mean? Like why, why pay for him to play for somebody else when you want to be good halfway through the contract that he's currently on. And I know you may not want him for, you know, year set six and seven of that deal at 7 million bucks, but why pay him to be playing for somebody else? I think that 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 deal is when you move further into the contract when it's not as daunting as far as the number of dollars the other team's taking on. Plus, again, I think that Phaneuf can be a little more effective if he's played in the right situations and not um, as overtaxed as he's been in years past. And his, his minutes are down, and his uh, zone starts, which used to be some godforsaken number under Carlisle, it's a little bit better now. Um, so I think that you can rebuild Phoenix value a little bit next season and maybe you try at the next deadline. Or if some team comes up to you at the draft and says, we'll take the full freight on Phoenix, you at least consider it. But um, there's no reason to move him out now and eat money to do it. No reason to do that whatsoever. No. Did you catch the uh, Jordan Leopold uh, letter, letter on Twitter yeah. by any chance? Um, I, was telling, I was telling my wife about that right when I got home. That was probably the best part of the whole day yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun and and for those listening uh, essentially what happened was jordan leopold's family currently lives in minnesota and he was playing for columbus and his daughter wrote a handwritten do you know how old his daughter was uh, i have no idea how old she is but she looks pretty young based on her yeah I, I assume she's like 10 or younger wrote yeah uh, a handwritten letter to the minnesota wild asking them to uh somehow Acquire trade for their dad, dad to get him back yeah. um which I guess they did. I mean, it's other than that, it's not really much else to talk about in, for this trade. I mean, Leopold's in the final year of his deal, and they kind of just, it felt like they actually did it for the reasons expressed <laughs> yeah. in that letter. I'm not going to I can see why they felt they might have needed a, a depth defenseman, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. They, uh, they, whatever, they did their thing, and uh, they're, um, it's, it's, it's a nice little story. It's a nice little story. Yeah, scored some good karma going into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Let's go back to another Canadian team here and a team that I want to make the playoffs over any other team in the league right now, just because that fan base would go absolutely insane is the Winnipeg Jets. And I hope to God that they make it. I mean, 
they've been in this position for a couple of times since they got back to Winnipeg where they held on to like a wild card ish spot and then kind of fell apart in the back half of the season. Uh, so they end up getting Lee Stempniak from the Rangers for Carl Klimberg. Um, the Jets, to me, this is just the Jets trying to get a veteran forward to help with the playoff push. What do you think? Well, they're without Perot, and we don't know when Halischak or we, – well, I don't know what Halischak's status is as far as, you know, is he going to be back immediately. I know that uh, they were talking about that today in their uh, in their news conference as far as him being a guy they're missing. So they were down uh, – they were down in NHL forward, so it made sense to go out and get a guy like Elise Demiak, who, who's dependable. I, I wouldn't trade, say, Alex Dean for him, for example, but he's dependable. Um, and there's no uh, there's no reason not to uh, go out and get a guy like like Stepniak if you have holes to fill. Uh, Hal's Chuck, uh, you know, I don't think he's got a serious injury, but uh, we don't know exactly back uh perot does have a serious injury and he's going to be gone for a while and i really like matthew perot i think he's a great player but yeah go and add to your forward depth so they go out and they turn evander kane who wasn't going to play this year anyway into drew stafford so he kind of replaces those minutes they go out and get a guy like elise devniak who's i think a pretty decent player and their defense one through six i think is pretty gosh darn good I think that Myers, Truba, Bufflin, Enstrom, all very good players. Stewart's fine if he's on your third pairing, which is exactly what's going on here. Um, and the thing that's been holding the Jets back for years and years and years has been the fact that Andre Pavlik is a really, really lousy NHL goaltender. And they seem to have solved that problem by not playing Andre Pavlik. So that's helpful. Uh, they're saying, I'm reading... Uh early March return for Matt Alice check, but that's, okay, according, so that's according to rotoworld.com. So I don't know how. Right. Right. That it's, so it's not, yeah. And that's, that's okay. And he's not a, he's not a huge piece, but you, you still need quality NHL wingers to try to make this playoff run. I think the jets are going to get in. If you look at the Western conference standings right now, I think that it's, it's going very well for them. Um, I think the jets are, are going to get in. They may not win a round, but I think that it will be super fun in Winnipeg. Yeah, I just want to see, uh, to, like, if they get in, I just want to see those two home playoff games. I just want to see the crowd no. decked out. I'm curious as to if they'll bring the whiteout back. And like, I just uh, want to see those fans in I think they will playoff bring, games, and they deserve it. I think they will bring the whiteout back. They should, by the way, Phoenix should never be allowed to do the whiteout. Absolutely. Not. Um, well, not since the Jets got back. I kind of no. was okay with it when the Jets were back because they were like, hey, we're going to continue the tradition. But – if the Coyotes make it in the future and do the whiteout uh, after the Jets doing it, I will be Ducks. very upset with that. Um, right now, if the playoffs started today, they're playing. They're playing the Ducks. I give them a puncher's chance against the Ducks. Are we sure that Winnipeg doesn't win that series? I'm I'm not prepared to say they aren't. Like I'll take a long, yeah. hard look at the odds of <laughs> the Jets winning that series if yeah. that yeah, if I just, that comes to fruition. The Ducks always outplay their analytics under Boudreaux. They've been doing it for years, um, but they're outplaying their analytics. So I don't know what if they've cracked some sort of code, but they're playing their analytics again. I don't think that they're as good a team as their one loss record would indicate. Uh, I think Winnipeg would have a decent chance in that series. Uh, speaking of bets, since you got to pour a little out for the Ole Oaken and Air, I'm going to pour, pour a little out for my Tyler Sagan to win the Art Ross bet at 12 to one. Felt like really felt like that one was going to come through before he got uh, low bridge there by uh, he who shall not be named in my household anymore. Yeah, uh, that was not necessarily a, a good thing. Nobody wants to see Tyler Sagan not playing hockey. Uh, what I will say is uh, 
I think Geno Malkin's gonna is going on one of his hot streaks right now. Yeah, I, like and, it wasn't a slam dunk, but like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was, I'm, I'm not saying it was a slam dunk either, but of course, before he got hurt, you had a chance, and now you don't. Yeah, at twelve um, to one, and I think at slightly before the injury, I think it went down to four to one. So I technically already won my bet, you know. But yeah, uh, still. So depressing. Uh, Dino Malkin, all of a sudden, he's. Uh, I, I think that he's about to really rev things up, and and that the Ross race is really really fun. Um, there are how many? There are eleven NHL players that have more than or sixty points or more, and there are zero NHL players that have sixty six points or more. So that Art Ross race is going to be really fun, I think. Um, are there? Do you want to talk about any of the other? trades that are going on i mean i feel like we hit all the big ones i I'm think we sure. hit the uh, the important uh, like i'm not sure if you want to talk about like the like the james wasniewski deal to me is whatever um that's a that's a nice deal for the ducks i i think they did okay i i still don't know if i think that they're going to be um a team that's a threat in the western conference i think there's a few western conference teams that like better than theirs um but it's 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 a good deal they didn't give up too much they got uh, Ritter Renee Bork's money uh, in order to make Columbus want to do something. That was the big part of the trade. Yeah, trade. That, that, that's certainly helpful. And, was... and I get why Columbus did it, too. They're like, all right, we'll eat this money in order to get drafted. So yeah, it, and it, it makes sense. I'm sure I'm sure the offer was initially, we'll give you a third. And then they said, make it a second and we'll take Renee Bork off your hands. And right. that's most likely. And there's a prospect yeah. in there, too. That is, uh, William it's, Carlson. Uh, it's a sensible deal for all sides. Yeah, well, uh, I think it was William Carlson is the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I don't think there's yeah. anything else that that I look at. It absolutely has to be discussed. Maybe as... the uh, Russian prospect that the Blues got from uh, for the Coyotes got from the Blues. You mean? Yeah, uh, the Coyotes got for McCallick. Yeah, Maxim Latinov. I, you know, he's he's fine. Um, it's yeah. obviously better than the Coyotes using McCallick for nothing, which is exactly what would have happened if they did not make a trade. Uh, the fact that he had a concussion, I think, really hurt the Coyotes' bargaining position, obviously. I yeah, think and the final to, year of his deal, too. Yeah, they had to do some things they wouldn't have had to do otherwise. But uh, The Coyotes handled this deadline fine. The Leafs handled this deadline fine. Here's the thing that any Leaf fan that's complaining about the way this deadline was handled has to remember this. Um, they turned David Clarkson into, essentially, free cap space. Uh, I know that you got to do some paperwork with the long-term injury stuff, and you've got to handle that really smart to maximize maximize that free cap space. But that's essentially what they did, and they've got Brandon Pridham who helped write the CBA, working in their front office now. So I think they'll be able to maximize that cap space. A week ago, if you had said, "Okay, no one is traded off of the Leafs except for Clarkson, successful deadline, yes or no," everyone says yes. So I think that. Judging it as an unsuccessful deadline today is really significant recency bias, and oh, we yeah. should, should. It's a pretty successful week for the Leafs. I, think I, we I should be able to figure that out pretty. Quickly. I messaged you the pretty yeah, like an hour or two after that trade happened, and I'm fair. I asked you if getting rid of Clarkson's deal was your Stanley Cup this year, and uh, without hesitation, you said yes. So yeah, uh, it's, it's, that, it's that's an indication. Honestly, uh, other than the draft, like there's no way the Leafs can have something better happen for them over the next. Then they get a big months. jump in the draft. Then getting McDavid. But this is this is the time of the year where the Leafs go on that inexplicable. Oh yeah, it's win, win thirteen out of fifteen games and and cost yourself a top five pick and end up picking yeah. ninth or something in it's one of the coming. best drafts and, and of all time. And here's the thing: it usually happens right this time of year. Right after the deadline, it, it, it tricks you. There, there <laughs> was a time like if if they were a couple points ahead of where they are now. 
there'd be a chance where they would be able to trick me into thinking, wait a minute, maybe if this run continues through April, they might make the play. No, that's, I know that's not happening, but year, it could certainly ruin their draft pick. No way around that. that. So uh, we're getting close to uh, an hour and 15 here. So we'll switch off hockey. I just, we'll go rapid fire on a couple of other sports here. Um, let's go with baseball. Uh, grade the Jays off season so far. Give it a letter grade. Um, B, B. Let's give it a B. I, I, I was, I have written down here on my little note. I wrote B minus, and then I scratched it out and I put C plus because. I think that if you add Martin and Donaldson, you yeah. kind of have to give them at least a B. Yeah, I guess that's true. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the B minus I had originally. Yeah. Even if um, added a top five, a guy who's been a top five player the last two years, I think you have to give them at least a B. Yeah, I mean, my biggest problem with what they did in the offseason was they never added anything tangible to the bullpen i would have liked to have seen something happen there i mean we're still kind of figuring out and I, I don't mean like go out and get a closer i'm I just i'm leaning more, more to pitch the, the six, seventh. sanchez is going to be in the bullpen the, yes me too and that'll be the guy who has that role and yeah, well, actually, if he does what he did. If he does what he did last year, he'll be more than fine. I think he's like I, I think they're going to start the year probably with Cecil, unless Cecil looks like Cecil would have to look absolutely putrid, like throwing the ball like Rick the Wild thing Vaughn at the beginning of Major League to not start the season with the close right. range. Yeah, and and I'm fine with that. I think he's probably the best reliever they have, or at least the most dependable reliever they have in the roster right now. Um, and I think Sanchez is going to be there, and and uh, they'll be okay. The the one thing about the bullpen. And you may not necessarily like to have to do it during the year, but the bullpen is by far the easiest thing to go fix. That's true. Um, just ask the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and, like, they never improved second base, but, I mean, I remember I was reading an article, on, I think it was on ESPN, and they were grading every position, like the the every team by the, mo- the, pos- the position they most needed help with. And, like, 18 teams on the list – had second base listed like it's an all-time dearth for second base there's like three guys in the entire league that are quote-unquote elite at that position and one of them is dustin pedroia who's you know who might be on the pretty significant downswing yeah um i'm just trying to think yeah how many american league teams would be like yeah i, I feel pretty good about second uh, to, <laughs> I, tigers two, i guess off the top of my dome piece i can think of two um the astros have jose altuve and the mariners have uh no Cano, yeah, Robbie Cano. And the Tigers, that, I think, would feel pretty good about Kinsler. True, yeah. Like, Kinsler is, is pretty good, but, you know, he has his ups and downs. But, yeah. yeah, you'd be like, hey, if we've got Ian Kinsler in 2015 with the all-time second base dearth, sure. Um, here's a question I'm curious about. Do you think Brett Laurie gets a standing ovation on his return to the Rogers Center? Um, I'm going to say that at least one person is going to be doing that. And that'll probably be my wife. So, yeah, was, so that's at least one. Like that, that's, that's there's a serious one. question. I'm not joking. I, I think you're probably, I think he probably does. I think that he was popular. Enough. That's exactly what happened. God, that upsets me. Well, here's the thing with him. Um, to me, the only time that I think that a fan base should turn on an athlete is if you don't think he's trying very hard. Oh yeah. And I that know. was literally the last thing you should be Yeah. I, I'm not players. saying that Brett Laurie, like, didn't give 110 and was I'm just saying he might have given 125 that might have been part of yeah that. if it was possible yeah. yeah um whatever the can of Red Bull accounts for um I just standing ovations like like Roy Halladay deserved a standing ovation when he came back like I, I was there I, for Roy Halladay standing we ovation I was there for Carlos Delgado standing the, ovation the, against the Mets uh 
Uh, I, I sometimes think the Jays fan base is a little bit too quick to boo guys who don't deserve to be booed. True. Uh, no, I'm not saying they should boo Laurie. I'm just yeah. saying a standing ovation, I think, would be a bit much. I think, like, if I were there, I think I would sit down and clap. I certainly wouldn't stand and clap for Brett Laurie, and I wouldn't do anything more than a, yeah, Brett Laurie, blues, he's back playing mm-hmm. or whatever. Thanks for Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll be that. Like, uh, um, here's, isn't the most... There's, there hasn't been a J's. Isn't the most Jays-ish outcome and the most A's-ish outcome that he goes to Oakland and he's completely and totally healthy? Absolutely. And a killer year? Yeah. Isn't and that the most likely off, outcome just based on what we know of both those franchises yeah, in the last absolutely. 20 years? I think so. <laughs> Me too. Um, so watch out for that. Oh, God. It just I, like I don't even know what to say. It's just I he was so polarizing. I don't think there was a Blue Jay that you and me have fought over more than Brett Laurie because we both love yeah. defense and the advanced stats, but like, my God in heaven, there were times where I was just like, for God's sakes, man. Well, the, his problem was he, he wouldn't sell down. And here's the thing. And I, I typically don't like to try to crawl into a player's head because I think it's, it's hard to do that. But I think with him, when he's no longer a focal point, he's no longer the Canadian guy on the Canadian team. When he's just one of the guys on the team and he's not the centerpiece of all the marketing and all the stuff, I think he's going to be able to go to Oakland totally relax and he's going to be a lot better off than he was here i really genuinely believe that's going to happen to him and it might have happened here this might have been the year where he matures a little bit and it was going to be great but if you have a chance to go get and if you look listen to Evopolis, and i believe him his plan was never give up brett laurie but he said to himself i've got a chance to get josh donaldson here i kind of have to so i don't think that's what will wind up i think that laurie is going to be fine and long term the jays are are going to be happy with that trade but I think the A's are going to be as well. Uh, switch over to football for a little bit. Uh, we'll just uh, talk a couple of draft picks. Um, I just want you to tell what Florida guys should we be looking for in the uh, in the draft? Fowler, that's about besides it. Besides Flowers. I was going to say, besides, <laughs> besides, besides, besides Flowers. Besides Fowler, that's about it. Like, it's it, it, it's it's not a good time report. Who's going to probably go in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, yeah I, I wish I could give you some sort of insight into oh this guy is is great like there there are a couple other guys on the the defense the last few years under Muschamp fine but uh, I I don't think that you can look at this this draft and say oh it's it, it's not like the old days with uh, with Urban Meyer running the show it's uh, not quite as deep as far as uh, as far as guys being produced by the University of Florida so there you go um, the one guy from the University of Miami, Florida, that I'm going to stake my flag in that I think is going to be a really good NFL player is uh, the inside linebacker, Denzel Perriman. Um, yeah, I, 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 saw, I saw a lot of his... Uh, his I, I think he's going to be a, like the Chris Borland type. His combine numbers aren't great, but like if you watch the footage on him, like I watched a lot of him at Miami, the guy just knows how to play the game. And I think someone's going to get him second, third, and... I think he's just going to take off right away for them. Uh, my favorite guy in the draft, though, is that left tackle that Iowa has, Brandon Sheff. That guy, yeah. is, he's going to be real good. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the easiest position to to carve out and figure out who's going to be good, right? Uh, this, the, the latest draft that uh, Walter Football has, the moth, they have got Perriman going uh, to Oakland at 35. Yeah. Uh, damn. Which Got to hit Oakland. <laughs> Yeah, well, for, for it's a good reasons, thing. but only because they never actually will be good again. Well, yeah, well, they, they might be good. They just need to not have someone with the last name Davis running the team. Yeah. But as long as they do, I'm totally cool with it. I'll take the two wins a year. Uh, do you think Vic Beasley's on performance enhancers? 
Um, I I don't want to say that either way. Yeah, I don't. I know <laughs> the answer to that question. No. However, what I will say yeah. is that I can't rule it out. Yeah, I I just my God in heaven, like there's no way a human being should be able to put up the numbers that he did at the combine. Um, I think like I'm if wondering. You have, sorry, go ahead. What 2015 JJ Watt would be able to do at the combine? Yeah. He doesn't count as a human being. I'm just curious. No, like, so Vic Beasley, yeah, but, like, you know, J.J. Watt is is a guy who, uh, you know, <clears throat> that's all I'm going to say about J.J. Watt. Right, well, yeah, I, I, I just I just think Allegedly. he's a different species. Yeah, either, you know? he, which would have, he would <laughs> that, have. That's the most likely outcome. Now, uh, how did he become a different species? Who's to say? Who knows? But the yeah. most likely outcome is J.J. Watt is. I don't want to throw stones, and, and I hope. It's it's all legit because I, I loves me some JJ Watt. He's the only guy. like like JJ Watt. How many how many fantasy leagues are are wanting to switch like dynasty leagues or long term leagues want to switch to IDP just so people can draft JJ Watt and cheer for him every week? And I don't think that's happened in the history of fantasy football as far as I can remember. No. Um. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Uh, the last thing I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna fire you a couple of ideas I have for future pods that we like to do or that I would like to do with you um, just as far as fun ones go. Cause I'm sure we'll do other sports related ones whenever right. crazy crap happens. But uh, just for hilarious pods that I would like to do you uh, give me a yes or no as to whether or not you're excited for this. And then you can go ahead and tell me on a scale of one to 10, how you would be, how excited you would be for this. Um, my favorite podcast that has ever occurred uh, across any of the ones I listened to was the time Matthew Barry and Bill Simmons on the BS report did a four hour podcast breaking down damn near every moment of the original 90210. Beverly Hills 90210, yeah. I would uh, like you would want to do that with Saved by the Bell. With Saved by the Bell. You yeah, would... I, I I think that we could do that. I, yeah. I, I, I probably I'd give, give me a nine for that. I want to save the 10 just in case, but I, give me a nine. Yeah, I'm going to give you a nine because like I want to go and I hope like uh, I'm sure like obviously Bill Simmons or Matthew Barry would probably never listen to this particular pod, but I'm going to say that I'm going to steal everything that they did as far as making up fake categories and stuff for that particular pod. Um, I would like us to do a running commentary for certain movies, specifically the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, I can I can see myself getting behind that. I give myself like relative to Say by the Bell, I have to give myself like a seven. Yeah, because Ke uh, Kevin Smith does that in his pods with like you know, he'll do like Batman movies where he goes, okay, you know, hit play on your DVD and then you line it up, and then we do that with the Mighty Ducks, obviously. Um, yeah. The last one, I would like to introduce the world our sequel game, and I would like to bring your brother Bill in for that one. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, I think we should uh, see if we can get a call to San Francisco, California as well for that one. Yeah, um, Richard would like to be yeah. a part of that. But, like, obviously we could play the sequel game more than once and bring in a different bring person each time because that game could yeah. just live on forever. Yeah. Um, Craig Needles, thanks for doing this. Do you want to plug anything? I mean, just in case the three people who actually listen to this don't know what you do. I do a talk show on the radio. It's uh, on in London. I, I mostly talk about politics on that show, but that's pretty fun too. Yeah. 9.30 to 11.30, weekday yeah. morning. Yeah, you get the odd... Uh, you should tell the them what radio station it's on so they can find oh, it. Oh, it's on AM 980. That's a, that's a big part of it too. There you go. All right. Yeah.